HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and welcome back 2016. Uh, this is our first show in quite a few weeks, and I'm uh, really excited to start the year strong. We have a very special guest in the studio today. We have Camila Lunelli from Ferrari Winery. Um, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Um, uh, these are fantastic wines from the Trento area, Trento Dock, as you'll hear her refer to them uh, later in the show. Uh, Doc, uh, something that you hear Italians say. We usually say DOC here in the in the states, um, and it's kind of an emerging area for beautiful, uh, beautiful sparkling wines. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, if uh, if you like this show, you can always listen to us on uh, Heritage Radio Network's website every Wednesday morning live at 10 a.m. Um, or please do subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, where you can also find all of the uh, all of the past episodes. Uh, Ferrari wines you can find at our restaurant Lartuzzi down on West 10th Street between Bleeker and Hudson. Let's have them in some beautiful Magnum's large formats. Uh, delicious sparkling wines, something unique, not Prosecco, not Franciacorta, the Trento Doc from uh, Trentino Alto Adige up in the north. These Alpine Mountain delicious wines. Uh, excited to have Camilla here on the show today. So welcome to uh, welcome to Heritage Radio. It's uh, exciting to have you. Thank you very much, Joe. It's a real pleasure for me. Um, so we're, we're, tell us a little bit about Trento Doc. I think that it's, uh, in terms of Italian sparkling wines, it's one that uh, not too many people are, are familiar with. I think that even in our more sophisticated listeners here, uh, can, I can pretty securely say that. Well, I must say that the Trento Doc, the appellation is quite recent, so the name is not so widely known. But we have made the history of sparkling wine in Italy because as a Ferrari, we started our history more than a century ago. It was 1902 when a young 
boy called uh, Giulio Ferrari started studying in Italy first, Germany and France, and had this bright intuition that Trentino, due to his mountains, was perfectly suited for producing high-class high Metodo Classico sparkling wine. So the history of Ferrari and Trento Doc is a long one, and I must say that we have an important role in Italian sparkling wine. Wow. And so what makes this uh, a unique area? It's certainly maybe in, in terms of the, the temperatures may be similar to Champagne, but uh, this is an alpine area. You're at high altitudes, right? Steep vineyards, so different... Uh, different territory than the, I guess the only other place that I know of that was making consistent high quality Metodo Classico or, or Champagne method sparkling wines when Giulio Ferrari uh, thought of this idea over 100 years ago. Exactly. Actually, when Giulio Ferrari was studying in Champagne, he, has, he had this intuition that his homeland of Trentino was completely different in a way, but similar in another. That means that we are more than a thousand kilometers southern than Champagne, but due to the altitude and so to the mountains, we could have similar conditions. This means that we have a strong diurnal shift in temperature. We have, most of all during the summer, we have warm days and chilly nights, and this is key for, uh, for Chardonnay, most of all, to develop a, a rich bouquet and intense aromas and the freshness and elegance that we want to find in the glass. So was this the start of Metodo Classico in Trento, in Julia Broad, or, or were other people producing wine in this style at that time? No, this was absolutely a start, and it was also um, a, a, a revolution in Italian viticulture because Giulio Ferrari was the first to bring Chardonnay to Italy. If you think now of the great expression of Chardonnay that we have in, in Italy from Trentino down to Sicily, that really changed the, the face of Italian viticulture. Oh, so he's the one to blame for all of the bad Chardonnay as well. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, the thing that I really love about uh, this wine, and we're actually uh, lucky for me at uh, sipping some Ferrari Brut um, in the glass right now, a great way to start the morning. The thing I love about this, uh, as opposed to what you see in uh, Franciacorta, and, and and I'm sure you have to be political and not say anything, but the, the acidity, the, this has much higher acidity to me than than those wines. My mouth is watering. This is a just a joyful thing to start the morning with. Um, I, I would assume that is from that, that high altitude or that diurnal shift that's making this so refreshing. Exactly. We go back to the point. Mountain is really the key feature for the elegance of Ferrari and Trento Doc wines. That's also why we, we don't use any grape coming from, from vineyards which are in the bottom of the valley because we don't have that diurnal shift in temperature. We need to be at least 350, 400 meters above sea level. And the last vineyard we planted in the last 10 years go up to 700 meters. And that's also an insurance for us mm -hmm. on the future because we need the acidity, the freshness that you appreciated to, to have complex and long-lasting wine. But if global temperature will grow higher, that could be a, a great threat. It's like champagne houses going northern. What we do is we go higher. So we're safe mm -hmm. for sure. Growing vines in high altitude is a tough job. It's it's really hard. The, the production goes down, and you cannot mechanize. There are a number of problems, but we're going to face that in the name of quality. And what what is the um, the actual landscape like as you go further up? I imagine it becomes 
Yeah, just please tell us, like, what's the soil like? It, what, how does it change from that 300, 400 meter as you ascend the mountain and go higher? I would really like to, to, to take you to, to Trentino and show you how, beauty, how beautiful our mountain is. It's okay. not easy yeah. to... <laughs> <laughs> the invitation is valid for all of the, those listening and for you, for sure, as well. No, it's, uh, it's uh, as I said, it, it gets uh, harder. But uh, we have to do it. I mean, there's no way. The, the real, um, what we learned from Giulio Ferrari is that quality has to be our key driver. We took the, the, the chance of uh, increasing production compared to what he was doing without compromising quality. If uh, we're son of the, of the land, we're son of the, the climate, we cannot decide on that. So if the climate gets warmer, we have to go high. And so your last name is not Ferrari, but it's Lunelli. Right, and so uh, tell us the story about Giulio Ferrari and his friend Lunelli, and how how your family got involved in this. Yes, uh, Giulio Ferrari had no no children, so the the small winery that he founded in 1902 was kind of like, like his creature. He's really dedicated all of his life to it, but at certain stages he started to wonder who could continue his venture. He had a number of, of proposals, also from very important uh, companies at that time. But uh, among all the, the proposals, he chose my grandfather, Bruno Lunelli, who was actually um, had the wine store, uh, best wine, wine store in uh, Trento. So he was a client of Giulio Ferrari, but most of all, he had a very deep admiration for, for his wines. And what probably he saw, Giulio Ferrari saw in my grandfather was the, the, the sharing of his value, the fact that he was from Trentino and linked to his territory, and also probably the fact that in 1952, when the, the passage, the, when he sold the company, my father had already five children. So he also foresaw a, a family continuity that he could not provide to, to his company. As, and uh, as of today, Myself and my cousins and my brother represent the third generation. So actually, that was a correct uh, intuition that he had. And what did your grandfather start doing as he took over? Did he make changes immediately? I know that the Ferrari today is quite different from, uh, from Giulio's time. Yes and no, it's different. It's different because uh, uh, numbers have changed completely, and that was due to the entrepreneurial spirit that my, my grandfather had. Him and Giulio Ferrari kept working together for more than 10 years. So Giulio was on the production side, mm -hmm. he was the enologist, he was taking care of the, of the vineyards, and my grandfather was more on the, on the commercial side. But, uh, so so the, the, the winery grew consistently, but uh, the values, I want to stress, are exactly still the same that Giulio Ferrari had, including the focus on the, um, on the vineyards. There are some wineries who think that you make an excellent wine in the winery. That's the knowledge is the winemaker making the excellent wine. We have a different approach. We think that you make an excellent wine in the vineyards. Then you don't have to make any mistake in the winery, but that's really a focus that we still well, and that's actually one of the main reasons I want to have you on the show today is your focus on the vineyards and uh, your change towards sustainability uh, and emphasis on biodiversity. Um, can you tell us what was the the reason or who was the person who really initiated the, the move towards sustainability in, in your vineyards and how did that start and how did that actually happen? 
Well, that's due to my cousin Marcello, who's our winemaker, and he also uh, supervises all the agronomist part. But it's something that all of the family shared and all of the people working with us embraced with a great enthusiasm. So what we did is starting to change completely the paradigm of cultivating our vineyards in our own estate vineyards. So for a number of years, we did a many, many tries until when we found what we thought was the right balance and the right indication to give to the um, vine growers who work with us. Just to, um, to give you a picture, we produce by our own estate vineyards all the vintage wine, the reserve, but uh, due to the number of bottles we produce per year, we also created in the years a number of uh, a network of vine growers. It's uh, 500 families from Trentino who uh, not only sell their grapes to us because it's not just a matter of selling. It's really a partnership and a collaboration. We provide consulting. We provide um, training to them. We have eight people just dedicating to to follow and supervise them. So due to the mutual respect and um, that we created over the years, they've been followed this shift to sustainability that we proposed to them with a great enthusiasm. So you're telling these growers, 500 of them, that uh, we have an idea and you're going to change everything you've been doing for the last however many years uh, um, and you're saying they immediately said, sure, like, let, let's do this. Not immediately, <laughs> but it took us uh, four, three, f- three to four years okay. to convert all of their vineyards to a completely different uh, uh, production method, which is very, very short time because, you know, the times in, in agriculture and are so you had slow. a team of eight people who came and, and would, would help them with all the issues with, with converting. Yeah, we also have uh, training sessions. Yeah. Also during the winter, we, we, we get all of them also theoretical uh, session, not only those in the vineyards. So we really provide a, a, a lot of, uh, of training on that. The reason why I think they followed us so easily is uh, on one side, as I said, because there's a, a previous uh, relationship, very close relationship and, and cross esteem, but also because the reasons why the reason why we started all of this project is on one side to further enhance the quality of our grape, which is our main work. Secondly, for sure, it came from a, a, a broader approach and environmental sensitivity. But the third objective is to have a healthier environment for people working in the vineyards and these people these growers are the ones who are Mm -hmm. every day in the vineyards the ones who could breathe product which are not so healthy so i think that this aspect uh, is also has also been key key for them in changing their approach well you know if you have one uh, one grower who has maybe a small five hectare plot of plot of land and is doing the most most natural thing or is converted to a very natural way that's that's great but if you have 500 growers right that must have had such a huge impact in the general health of the entire area i imagine that uh this would be hundreds of acres or you know and i have you noticed changes as the air smell cleaner since then <laughs> I, I i would think that that would be a, quite a bit of a of a drastic change for the the, the environment in that area 
Let me tell you, we're extremely proud of yeah. this, not only for for our wine, but really for all the territory, because there's also an impact not only for people uh, working in the vineyards, but also for all of those living around. You know, in Trentino, the area that you can where you can live and cultivate are very small due to the mountains. So we have villages which are just next to the vineyards. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, I think it has been very beneficial very for everyone living. In and the just area. on a on a like a simple like an operations and practicality question: Have the like pesticide companies like started to send you hate mail, or did they just convert and now they try to sell you organic pesticides? No, we have had uh, no <laughs> menaces <laughs> of any kind, yeah. as far as I know. <laughs> it's good to know. And just tell us uh, two words. We have to we have to go for a break in a second about the the Fari Brut, which I've been enjoying during this first segment. It's so it's such a delicious wine. The white label Fari Brut. Thank you very much. Uh, can you tell us just uh, about, so this is one of the wines that's made from the many growers. Exactly. Right? It's 100% Chardonnay, mm-hmm. but coming from all the network of, uh, of growers we were talking about. Great. All right. On that note, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more of Camille Lunelli of Ferrari Winery. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you. All right, we are back with Camila Lunelli of Ferrari Winery up in the Trento Dock, an uh, emerging sparkling wine growing area up in northern Italy in the uh, Dolomite Mountains. Uh, 41 different wineries in the area, though. Hundreds of hundreds of growers supplying them. Um, but definitely Ferrari Winery has led the way in terms of letting people know about the high-quality wines of this area, and I was really enjoying that Ferrari Brute. Still, like, the acidity is still in my mouth in, in the most pleasant way. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, Ferrari's big initiative to convert their 500 growers and their state winery to completely uh, sustainable practices. Um, but we didn't really get into the details. I'd love to know, what does that actually mean? What have you done? Is it is it just getting rid of chemicals or is there something more beyond that? The idea is really to go and uh, build on natural fertility of the land. What we did in very practical terms, we banned herbicides, we 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 banned uh, all chemical fer- fertilizer. We we adopted natural methods for um, for fighting about again insta- insects. Sorry. So the the parking shift has been complete, but as I said, we've been followed by our vine growers very very easily. 
Great. And then the the emphasis on uh, biodiversity, how does that actually come into play? Are you having people plant different things between the vines? What, what is actually happening? Exactly. When we talk about natural fertility of land, for instance, green manure is a, is a very simple technique. It's a traditional technique, but which is very impactful. So we, we do plant different seeds in between the vines. That helps with, um, with, controlling, uh, with controlling herbs that we don't control with the herbicides anymore. That can give richness to the soil whenever it's needed or it can take off depending on the kind of soil. So we, we really want to create a balance between the vine and its own land. Then we also widened our perspective and that's where the, the issue of biodiversity comes in because when we talk about organic certification, we mainly focus about what's about the vine and what's inside the vineyard. With a biodiversity perspective, we have a wider approach. We also look at what's around the vineyard. Just to give you an idea, we got uh, uh, last year the um, certification by the Biodiversity International Association of of Biodiversity Friend. This certification takes into account also some elements which are not strictly monitored by the organic certification, like the quality of waters around Mm -hmm. the vineyards, like the quality of hair around the vineyards, and the, the, the numbers of uh, um, both vegetal and animal species which are inside the soil and around the vineyard. So, so it's you, a wider you, perspective. I, I love this idea. You're actually our second biodiversity friend. Uh, uh, we had Ronki Dichala on a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been the last or second to last episode before we, we left. And to me, that that's the most important thing. The measure of the overall health of the area is uh, is more important than than anything else because that tells you you know what is your actual impact how healthy is the the, the air the the soil the water um, one thing that I that I meant to ask him uh, that I didn't get to is is I know that uh, the microbial activity the actual the biological activity in the soil, how much life is, is in the soil, is a way that a lot of people measure the general health of the soil. Is that something that is that you guys think about or is considered in this biodiversity friend program? It's absolutely one of the measures. But as I said, soil is important for mm-hmm. sure. It's key, but it's not the be, only not the only, the only uh, part that we're going to, to measure because air is important, water is important as well. We want to have a complete picture of what happens. I guess as you know, as a, a wine lover, you th- I think so much about soil is uh, having such a big impact. Um, well, what about the uh, birds and flying insects? Is that something that, that uh, you guys consider? I imagine that with less chemicals flying around then there there would be my guess is that there would be more birds and and flying insects coming in uh, absolutely trentino has been a pioneer in uh, in using uh, a sexual confusion mm-hmm. also for fighting insects and we also do insert some specific uh, uh, i don't want to go too much into technical but we also sometimes treat our vineyards by inserting specific insects that fight some kind of of diseases. And again, we place little nests around the vineyard for uh, having birds to to, to fight insects that we don't want to uh, fight with uh, with chemical. Um, so you're creating a natural ecosystem rather than 
spraying a chemical. You create the predators and prey, and you get the predators in to get rid of the stuff you don't want. Exactly. And uh, another key element on that, which I know has got a lot of attention also from uh, Obama's administration recently in the U.S., are bees. That looks so simple because we're all used to, we all know bees. But just recently, attention on the importance of bees for uh, for agriculture has been brought to the to the center stage. So what we do is that we have placed uh, um, bee. Help me with the name hives. of the <laughs> thank hives, you hives. hives. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. We placed hives all around our vineyards, and that helps enormously to to increase the biodiversity in the vineyard. Okay, so that makes sense because the the unique thing about the grapevine is that it's self-pollinating, right? So you don't actually need bees or something another insect to to pollinate the flowers. But this I never thought of all of the other plants that are around exactly. that you want to be doing great and adding to biodiversity do need that. So exactly. So that's really interesting. And and certainly uh, bee populations are are greatly decreasing here in the, in the U.S. I don't know if you're having the same struggles in. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why uh, even from a political point of view, there's uh, an attention on that. And do you produce estate honey as well? Well, no. not estate, but no. for the family, we do have salmon. Okay. It's really good. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so what is in our glass now? This beautiful bottle of Perle? Exactly. Perle? Ferrari Perle is, uh, honestly, it's, I would say it's the wine of, of my heart. That's what is never missing in, in my fridge for any occasion. It's a wine that I love because I think it's... Um, it's uh, fresh, it's pleasant still. It already has such a nice complexity. You have the fruity note that you already mm. found in the Ferrari Brut, uh, the golden apple note, that primary aroma that comes from Chardonnay. But given to the fact that we have a long aging period on least, because it's at least uh, six to, to, to seven years, wow. you have a further complexity, the, the, the yeasty note. Uh, so it's, it's really a wine. Yeah, and this I is love. a 2007 vintage. Um, and this is this is always a vintage declared wine. You always have one vintage on it. Yeah. Exactly, and we just use our estate uh, um, grape for that. And is there a great amount of vintage diversity uh, between year to year, or is it pretty consistent? Well, I would not say it's a huge diversity, but still, you you can you can tell the difference. That's mm -hmm. also why we don't uh, produce uh, Giulio Ferrari Riserva del Fondatore, which is our top cuvee. We don't produce that every year because there's a variability in climate. It's normal. We work with agriculture, and that's part of the game. Is it fair to say, so this is, I said 2007, this is really delicious. Is it fair to say in years that you don't produce the Giulio Ferrari, maybe those grapes would go into the Perle? And exactly. Would be, that would be a really good vintage to find some Perle. <laughs> this uh, Perle 2007 has been named the World Champion Sparkling Wine last year in, in London by the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. So it's really a, a wine and vintage we're very proud of. Well, I can see why. I mean, the, on the nose, it's, it's much uh, more brooding and darker and nuttier than um, just the Ferrari Brut. But on the palate, it still has that brightness and great acidity and delicious. You know, what we see is that uh, the, the bottle becomes always empty with this wine and i think it's a good sign it's really it's so pleasant that you feel like having another glass and that's a success for a wine producer yeah. and what's in what's in the future what are the initiatives that you're working on now uh, for the future of ferrari 
Well, in terms of uh, wine production, we always have a number of experimentation mm-hmm. which are going on because, you know, the, the, the cycle of life of a product for us is so long, uh, it's at least 10 to 15 years. So we need to have a number of experimentation going on and then we decide if it's ready or not for, uh, for meeting the market. In terms of, uh, of promotion of, of Ferrari, for sure, we're, st- we're placing a great effort on, um, on building the brand outside of Italy because we're extremely strong in Italy, but we have to, to, to bring that. And we're glad to promote Ferrari all over the world as an expression of the Italian art of living, being ambassador of, of Italian lifestyle. And uh, I must say that we find great interest and great passion for this all over the world. So that helps a lot. <laughs> Yeah, if, if uh, here in the States we think of the Italian lifestyle as being more of a relaxed and enjoyable one than, than we have, certainly drinking some of this would fit really nicely uh, nicely into that. Um, have you ever driven a Lamborghini? <laughs> not really. Not no. even a Ferrari, not that's even the a Ferrari. next question. <laughs> There's no relation whatsoever with the Ferrari cars. No, no. I think that we were born in 1902. Yes. There were not many cars around no, at that not, age. Yeah. But uh, for sure, Ferrari cars built an incredibly strong brand, and they're an icon of the best uh, made in Italy. So we're very glad to share the name with them. We have very nice relationship. We have an historical photo galleries of uh, Ferrari pilot toasting with our wines, and we've always had good relationships. So we're, we're glad of that but on the other hand we're, we're a family company we have a long history so we also are proud of our identity and we want to stress that we're a different completely different company as you as you should be these are absolutely beautiful wines as i said you can get the ferrari brute at lartuzzi we are proud to serve it congratulations on all on all of your efforts for sustainability and and uh, just making really delicious wine thank you so much camilla thank you very much that's well, camilla lunelli of the ferrari uh, winery up in Trento Dock, an emerging area for high-quality sparkling wine. Look out for wines from that area. Um, I wanted to give a big thank you to uh, Jack Inslee. Uh, it's always great work with you. Thank you so much for putting this show together. As every week, you are the absolute best. Thanks, everyone at Heritage Radio Network, Aaron Fairbanks, Allison. You guys are all amazing. We love you. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.